Russian President Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance, quote, objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa, as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to drop. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar also weakens. That's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text MONICA to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. Thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews, you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Just text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group right now. guys, I'm Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thanks so much for being with me here on this Monday as we kick off a brand new week. I'm thrilled that you're here. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Please follow me on Instagram at Monica Crowley underscore, and on Twitter and True Social, I am at Monica Crowley. Also by email, if you want to send me a note, I am at Podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's Podcast at gmail.com. I love hearing from you guys, so shoot me a note. Let me know what's on your mind. All right, uh, this week we're going to talk CPAC because I'm going to be there. Uh, CPAC is running March 1st through the 4th, so it's right around the corner. It's coming up. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be speaking from the main stage. So if you haven't already, go and get your tickets now, cpac.org. We're going to talk about that later in the week. And we've got another big guest coming up this week, too, with something that we should all be supporting and cheering on. So that is something that you are not going to want to miss. Lots of great stuff ahead coming up this week and into the future. So glad that you're here. Tell all of your friends, all of your family, everybody should be listening to the Monica Crowley podcast. Okay, today, Senator Tommy Tuberville will join us. We're going to talk to him about a bunch of things, including the outrageous thing of biological boys being allowed to compete in girls' sports. You know, he's had this long career. He is a college football legend, and he, you know, deeply into sports his entire life. He is horrified by all of this, as we all are. Anybody with a brain and sense of morality and fairness is horrified by this. So is he, and he's got legislation to stop it, not just in, you know, the the scholastic and collegiate kind of environments, But he's also working on the abortion issue with regard to the Department of Defense and Veterans Affairs, because I'm not sure if you guys know, but thanks to Joe Biden, your hard-earned tax dollars are now going to support abortion and to pay for abortions in those two agencies. It is completely outrageous, and Senator Tuberville, coach, as he prefers to be called, um, is fighting back. He's in the minority in the Senate, so his latitude is really limited in terms of how he can stop this, but at least he is standing up and he is trying. So he's a real hero of the country, and we're going to have him here in just a couple of minutes. All that and more, straight ahead. But first, the Monica Memo. This week in America Last, the president... And if you could see me now, I'm doing air quotes. The president went to Europe, but not to Ohio. He went to East Kiev, not East Palestine. 
This is the quintessential symbol of America last. You could not come up with a better image of America last than Joe Biden blowing off the suffering Americans in East Palestine, Ohio, to go to Kiev and embrace Vladimir Zelensky. How many Y's does he have on the end of his name anyway? Vladimir Zelensky. Oh, they were embracing like long lost friends. I don't know if you guys saw any of the pictures. I posted one on Twitter. They were basically making out. They were necking right out in the open in Kiev. And why not? The two of them are making money hand over fist with this war. This war is a money laundering operation for the globalist ruling class, and that includes our quote-unquote president and Vladimir Zelensky. So why not? Why wouldn't they make out? I'd make out with them too if I were making hundreds of billions of dollars off the back of this war. This infuriates me to no end. Nobody is defending Vladimir Putin and his invasion of Ukraine. He is a murderous thug and nobody is defending him. But this is not our fight. This is not our war. This is not our battle. This is an intra-Slav battle. And they are doing everything they can to ratchet it up to World War III. Poke Russia, poke Russia. Yes, fight back. But the idea of this massive escalation to the point where the UK is now sending fighter jets. Biden has said no to that, to the F-16s so far. But just watch. After this meeting, oh, you better believe it. They're going to send everything that flies. Watch. Watch. So they send our senile president who doesn't know what planet he's on. They fly him into Poland. That's a long ass flight. Then they put him on a train to send him into Ukraine. That is a 10 hour train ride from Poland into Kiev. 10 hours. So he flies across the Atlantic, flies across Europe, lands in Poland, gets on a train another 10 hours into Kiev. I mean, it's a miracle that he was standing in Kiev. The man is 80. He walks with a demented shuffle. They've taken him out of his comfort zone of his house, his familiar surroundings. They've taken him out of his time zone. And they've put him in this war zone. Why? Oh, so that the grifters can all embrace so that Biden and Zelensky can really, they, they hugged it out. And Biden then stood up and said, pledged another $500 million in weapons and financial assistance and God knows what else. Pledged it to what exactly? Well, the assumption is pledged it to the war effort. Again, air quotes, the war effort. But actually, they're just pledging it to each other. They are taking your hard-earned money, And the Fed is also still printing like crazy. They're taking American money and devaluing it all over the place with inflation and everything else. They're taking all of that money and they're funneling it to the war effort in Ukraine so that it can be laundered and then put back into their pockets by the hundreds of billions of dollars. Do you know, uh, today, yes, he made this additional pledge of $500 million, but so far, the estimate is that Joe Biden has spent $200 billion, maybe north of that, of our hard-earned money, and sent it into Ukraine. This week marks the one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion into Ukraine. And again, there's something to be said for standing up to the bad guys, but this is not our fight. Two hundred billion dollars flowing so far into Ukraine. And all of our regime leaders are there all saying, hey, we're sticking it out as long as it takes. Whether it's General Milley, Joe Biden, Vice President Harris, they're all on the record that we are with the Ukrainians for, quote, as long as it takes. Really? For as long as it takes. So they'll just let this war go on forever. It'll be like Afghanistan. At least we were trying in Afghanistan. At least we had interests there. 
What are our interests here? Zero. So they're going to let this go on for as long as the Biden administration is in place through January of 2025, and then it will be up to the next president to decide because Biden's not going anywhere, okay? So this war is now going to go on forever. Oh, it's in Putin's hands. No, it's not. I mean, somewhat, yes. But this globalist money laundering operation where they're doing God knows what else in Ukraine, right? I mean, don't you think it's weird? We never see real like cell phone videos of conflict and, and battles happening. I mean, the, the Russians are all over Eastern Ukraine. And once in a while, we see pictures up on Fox News or whatever of uh, damage. But where are the average citizens taking cell phone videos and uploading it to social media? The whole thing is bizarre. And again, no one's making excuses for Putin and what he has done here. But this is not our fight. And the fact that over the past year, we have spent $200 billion plus on this war effort to enrich the Biden family and the Zelensky's and God knows who else profiting off of this. It's just disgusting. And that picture today of Biden and Zelensky uh, embracing, basically making out tongues down each other's throats. That is the perfect capsulation of America last right there. All of this money, all of these weapons have flowed into Ukraine from, from the United States with no accountability, no transparency, and no oversight. So where do you think all this stuff is going? There was a report, I think I brought it to you a couple of months ago. I think it was from like ABC or NBC. And uh, they were trying to track the weapons flowing into Ukraine to see if they got to the front lines. And the report basically said, mm, from our estimate, only about 20% of these weapons are actually going to the front lines. Which prompts the question, where's the other 80% going? The guns, the tanks, the bullets, the, whatever we're sending over there. Where did that stuff go? Did they land up in the hands of, mm, say, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, Hezbollah, Hamas, the Iranian regime? Who knows? Who knows? This is what I mean about no oversight. There's been no oversight, no accountability, no transparency. And now Zelensky has been uh, complaining that he's out of bullets. Oh, sorry about that. What have you been doing with the $200 billion that we've given you? And all these weapons. What, how can you be out of bullets? Not one more dime to Ukraine. Not one more dime to Ukraine. Not one more bullet to Ukraine until we have a full accounting of everything that we have spent and given so far. The House Republicans have been on top of this since they came into office in January. We need more aggressive activity. You know, Mitch McConnell came out uh, today and said that the Republican congressional leadership is 100% behind Zelensky and this war effort. In fact, Mitch McConnell recently said that this was their number one priority. Number one priority is what is going on in Ukraine, the Ukrainian border, not the American border. It, again, it tells you everything you need to know. And of course, our focus here is on Biden with America last, but we've got plenty of America last Republicans as well. Mitch McConnell being number one. Now, Kevin McCarthy in the House is sitting atop a Republican majority that wants no part of spending any more money on the Ukrainian uh, war. And yet he's got his counterpart in the Senate going, oh, there's no bigger priority for the Republican leadership in Congress than this, than the Ukraine war. Forget about inflation. Forget about the wide open border. Forget about the fentanyl crisis killing hundreds of thousands of our fellow Americans. Forget about a weak military. Forget about Chinese aggression with sending balloons. There's a new balloon, by the way. It was spotted off the coast of Honolulu over the weekend. Chinese are just totally in our faces. Forget about all of that. Forget about the fact that Americans can't afford to buy eggs without taking out a second mortgage. 
Forget about cities in collapse. Forget about uh, crime spiking through the roof. Forget about all of those things. They do not give a flying wit about you. And frankly, they don't care about the Ukrainian people. They don't even care about this war. It's all bullshit. They only care about lining their own pockets and their own power. That's what they care about. Do you think, by the way, that these Republicans, as well as Joe Biden, gives a flying wit about the people in Ohio? Of course not. Of course not. Over the weekend, Greta Thunberg made a comment about how climate activists really need to go beyond legal methods. Listen. I feel like I want to, in the future, be able to look back and say that I did everything I could uh, in this time when we were experiencing an accelerating climate crisis and when we still could avoid the worst consequences of it. We must remember that if we want to see real changes, we can't, if, if we look through history, if people who, who were ab- advocating for, for example, social justice, if they had only used the legal methods, then we wouldn't be where we are today, for example, when it comes to, to um, racial rights and women's voting and, and etc. So we need to think outside the box because this is an existential crisis. So Greta, this autistic kid, is out there telling the world, hey, we should be breaking laws all across the world because the climate is too important. Break the law. So where is she right now? First of all, we've got Biden blowing up the Nord Stream uh, pipeline, causing over 400,000 tons of natural gas to just spew into the Baltic Sea. Where is she on that? Now we've got this ecological catastrophe in Ohio. Where is she on that? Whales are dying off the East Coast. Where is she on that? She's telling people to break the law. She is an actress. All of these people are actors and actresses. They don't give a flying wit. Where's Al Gore? Where's Michael Moore? Why aren't they on site in Ohio? Environmental catastrophes like the Ohio toxic chemical spill make it really clear that these leftists are not interested at all in the environment. That's just their superficial reason for being. They don't care about the environment. They do care about their own power. They are obsessed with telling you about all the things you should live without as they gain more and more power in the name of a climate crisis, which is all bullshit. Every time you see these people, they're not representing you. They're not representing your interests. They're giving you a line of BS to cover for their own corruption and fraud. They're all frauds and they disgust me. All right, when we come back, I want to switch gears. Biden had his physical last week and also the racism of the mainstream media. This is not to be missed. Sit tight. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double and the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast and tastes so good. It's really delicious, guys, and you'll feel better with more energy and you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. I certainly noticed that in me since I started taking Field of Greens. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me 
and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Welcome back. All right. I do want to get into a really important story about the racism of the media here in a second. But before we do, Biden had his physical last week. Guys, you know, it's obvious to anybody with a brain that his health is in decline. All you have to do is see that senile shuffle that he does. He did it in Kiev this week with Zelensky. People with dementia, it's a progressive disease. It gets worse, not better. And now we're in the position where we've got a commander-in-chief who's so demented and out of it that his own military that is supposed to report to him, and he is supposed to have the ultimate say, they're not reporting to him, number one. And number two, they're overriding him. We know that from the reports about the Chinese aerial surveillance craft, the quote-unquote spy balloon, that the military did not tell him for four days. They withheld that information from the commander-in-chief for days on end because they feared that he was going to blurt it out in a senile moment. And then when they did tell him and he said, shoot it down, they overrode that. And they said, no, not now. Not now. So who is in actual control here? Are we in the middle of a military coup? Sort of. I mean, we know that Barack and Michelle are running the country via Susan Rice and a bunch of other Obama alumni who are in this Biden White House. They're all running the show. So he defers to them. But you've got military overriding civilian control. You've got Barack and Michelle Obama running the country from their house in Washington. Who stays in Washington after being president? Nobody except them. They didn't go back to Chicago. And yeah, they've got these houses in Hawaii and Martha's Vineyard right on the water. They're really concerned about climate change too, right? Their houses are literally right on top of the water. So that tells you everything. But this man is in such steep decline that nobody really pays attention to him. He's the puppet, right? So he had his physical last week, no cognitive test. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable. They didn't want to give him a cognitive test because they were going to have to report the results and everybody knows what the results were going to be. Former White House physician and Texas Republican uh, Congressman Ronnie Jackson, who treated both Obama and Trump um, until he ran for Congress, he is calling for an end to the cover-up. He's calling for a full cognitive test and an end to this cover-up. The current White House physician, Kevin O'Connor, he's a retired Army colonel. Um, He joined in January of 21. They found a doctor who would engage in the cover-up and not give him a cognitive test. You can find doctors who will do, you know, whatever, doctor feel-goods. So he wrote, President Biden remains a healthy, vigorous 80-year-old male who is fit to successfully execute the duties of the presidency. I mean, come on. Anybody with eyes and ears can see and hear that he is not. He's 80. But here's the thing, guys. There is young 80 and old 80. There's young old and there's old old. Biden is old old. And, you know, back in June of 2022, Don Lemon, who's in a world of hurt for all kinds of things, including dissing women. I mean, he's a total misogynist. He, back then, he asked Corinne Jean-Pierre if Biden had the stamina and physical and mental health to continue on and run in 2024, and she was all aghast. She was like, how dare you even ask that question? So apparently, we're not allowed to question Biden's mental capacity, right? And we're not going to get a report from the White House doctor about his mental capacity. So it's obvious, you know, we talk about hypocrisy, but it's actually hierarchy. It's not hypocrisy. They don't care about being hypocrites or being called hypocrites. This is hierarchy. The ruling class gets away with everything and the rest of us don't. Just to remind everybody, throughout Donald Trump's entire presidency, his mental capacity was questioned all the time. Oh, he's a madman. He's crazy. He's losing it. Just a month after he was sworn in as president, 
many Democrats and 35 psychiatrists, psychologists, and social workers questioned his mental health. In fact, those 35 medical professionals signed a letter to the New York Times saying that, quote, the grave emotional instability indicated by Mr. Trump's speech and actions makes him incapable of serving safely as president. Remember that? They argued it's justifiable to scrutinize the mental health of anybody in control of the nation's nuclear codes. In a floor speech, Congressman Blumenauer called for a review of the Constitution's procedures for removing a president, warning the 25th Amendment of the Constitution falls short when it comes to mental or emotional fitness for office. Congressman Ted Lieu proposed legislation that would require the presence of a psychiatrist or psychologist in the White House, you know, monitoring the president. The Democrats justify their questions by pointing to Trump's habit of making demonstrably false claims, as they said. Oh, he's lying. Maybe he knows he's lying. Maybe he doesn't know, but we've got to check it out. By the Democrats' own standards, making false claims should be enough to question Biden's mental state, okay? And with a whopper of lies that Biden told at the State of the Union, and frankly, every time he opens his mouth, that should have been a guarantee that he'd receive a cognitive test during his physical. But no, of course not. No, this was all about marginalizing Trump and delegitimizing him as a president, making everybody question him. Is he really crazy? Is he, is he a madman? Should he be removed? It was all about undermining him and destroying him. But by their own standards, I mean, you have an actual dementia patient who is literally insane and a pathological liar in the White House right now, and there are crickets. You know, there are a bunch of criminals on the left, and that includes the worst racists. The worst racists are on the left, obviously. The party of slavery and the KKK and the party that resisted civil rights for a long time Biden has always spewed racist crap, but he's always been protected by the press. Again, hierarchy, not hypocrisy. Just last week, he called a black man boy. He's disgusting. The left is replete with racists. And now we've got the latest example coming from the propaganda press. So the fake news media is at it again as the first black female. Christina Caramo has won the Michigan GOP chair race and during Black History Month to boot. Pretty awesome, right? This is something that should be celebrated. But no, instead, the propaganda press has posted headlines like this simply because she supports Donald Trump. Here are a few of the very offensive headlines. From the New York Times, Michigan GOP installs Christina Caramo an election denier as leader. Funny that they would use the word installs to imply that the votes didn't actually count. They all know about votes not counting because this is what they do, they steal elections. This woman was actually elected to be Michigan's GOP chair. They could care less. She is, she's installed, therefore she's illegitimate. She's an election denier, therefore she's illegitimate. Most of the left's leaders are installed, not elected, including Joe Biden. So this is projection, of course. From the Business Insider, here's their headline. Christina Caramo, a GOP election denier who was soundly defeated in 2022 midterms, now leads Michigan's Republican Party. I mean, really. Here's Reuters. Michigan Republicans tap election denier to lead state party. From the bridge, Michigan, election denier Christina Caramo to lead Michigan GOP, topping Trump's favorite. And from the Associated Press, supposedly they're neutral, right? Which is laughable. Here's their headline, election conspiracist to lead Michigan GOP through 2024. So if you support Donald Trump or have questions about the 2020 election that are completely legitimate, you're an election denier and a conspiracist. Nothing about how this is historic, how she is the first Black woman to lead the Michigan GOP, nothing about that. 
Here's what also they refused to say, that she won the chair race with 58% of the vote to former Michigan Attorney General candidate Matt DiPerno's 42%. The final vote was tallied after three rounds of voting that took place over 11 hours, where thousands of delegates gathered together to choose the person they believe will do the best job at reinventing what so many believe is a broken party in Michigan that needs to be burned to the ground and rebuilt as America first. They won't tell you that. And they won't tell you that she is a black Republican woman. Incredibly racist, really. I mean, they, they show their colors all the time. And this is why we bring you this stuff on this show. All right, guys, when we come back, we're going to talk to the great Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama about a whole range of issues, including biological males competing in girls' sports. And it's going to be a really fulsome and fun interview because Coach is the best. All right, first, though, are you looking for the perfect secret skincare? Well, the secret is out. It's GenuCell. GenuCell's products target all your problem areas like dark spots, skin redness, and even a sagging jawline. And now GenuCell is giving my listeners a surprise savings at checkout. Go to GenuCell.com slash Monica. And for a limited time, any subscription order includes a free beauty box plus free shipping. GenuCell works for men and women of all skin types. And with its immediate effects, see results in 12 hours guaranteed or your money back. Right now, GenuCell's most popular package includes their new probiotic extract moisturizer for visibly healthier, more youthful looking skin, absolutely free with every most popular package order. So go to GenuCell.com slash Monica, GenuCell.com slash Monica for surprise savings at checkout. And for a limited time, any subscription order includes a free beauty box plus free shipping. That's GenuCell, G-E-N-U-C-E-L, GenuCell.com slash Monica. Again, GenuCell.com slash Monica. We're coming right back. Well, it's such a pleasure to have with us today a football coaching legend and a full-blooded American patriot, Senator Tommy Tuberville, is uh, joining us today. And before he entered politics and being elected to the U.S. Senate from the great state of Alabama, Senator Tuberville was the head football coach at Auburn, Ole Miss, and Texas Tech. Some big collegiate football titans right there, in large part thanks to him. Now he's representing the state of Alabama and really all of us America Firsters in the U.S. Senate. I'm thrilled that he's joining us today. Senator, welcome. Great to be here on a President's Day, and uh, happy President's Day to everybody. Yes, and same to you, and thank you so much for joining us and for everything that you're doing for the country. And before we get started, I know that you prefer to be called coach, so that's how I'm going to address you, okay? That's exactly right. I earned coach doing that for 40 years, and they put 18 and 19-year-olds. Uh, I think people recognize me more as a coach, and it's a great profession, but I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm doing now being in the U.S. Senate. Well, we're going to get to that, too, in a second. But okay, Coach, you are a true legend, and we're just delighted that you're here. Um, all right, a lot to cover with you. First off, uh, before we get into policy, how does politics compare to football? I mean, both are combat, just in a different form, right? <laughs> yeah, it is combat. Uh, you know, the thing about about athletics, you see a lot of instant gratification from kids that change their lifestyles, change their values, uh, try to absorb as much education they possibly can. And, of course, you play games, and uh, you have uh, have something to, to fall back on, win, lose, do you need to change. Well, the U.S. Senate in politics runs very slow, and there's, uh, uh, there's some gratification in it, but it's, it's, it's such a fight all the time. And unfortunately, we're in a situation, Martha, where our country is under attack by far left progressives and uh, and it's not a lot of common sense involved in it. And so it's sometimes I get disgruntled of, of uh, watching things that are that are being thrown out uh, at, at Americans that try to bring.
bring down our country as a whole. And people don't fight together in sports. If you're going to win, everybody, you know, you might have differences uh, of opinion. You might be from different backgrounds, urban and rural areas, all those things. But when you when you go on the field and you put that helmet on, everybody is fighting for the same cause. Well, in our country, uh, never nobody ever puts that helmet on. Uh, everybody's got their own opinion. <clears throat> We're not all on the same page. You know, we got a constitution. We got a Declaration of Independence, and there's a lot of people that don't like that. And and uh, you know, to me, growing up in this great country uh, for years, I understand what it's done for me and my family, and for many other families. But unfortunately, we have a huge different difference of opinion from the liberals and the Democratic Party as we speak. Yeah, and you know what, Coach, too, you know, in, in football, at least you can come together. You might have a difference of opinion in terms of coaching, calling plays, etc. But in the end, you come together as a team. And right now in this country, we do not have that. And our differences look irreconcilable. And that is a huge, huge problem. And by the way, at least in football, you know who your opponent is. In politics, not so much, right? <laughs> Exactly. They, a lot of people don't. They play from the background. They 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 hide. Uh, you know, it's, they, that's the reason they call it the swamp because people are people are way in the background. They they have their opinions. They push their money out there towards certain uh, ideologies, and you don't know who they are, and so you don't know who you're fighting. Uh, but in our country now, we're starting to find more and more about the people that are, are for America and aren't for the same America. Now, they might want to live here. But they want it their way. They don't want what we've had for 246 or 47 years. They want it their way. But it's kind of crept into our country uh, in the years that you and I have been on this earth. And uh, we've allowed it to happen. And I, th- I hope people are starting to see, you know, education, our moral values being changed, uh, running God out of our country. The things that have made us strong, they want to do away with those so they can control it for their progressive ideas. I'm so glad that you see it so clearly because you have a lot of colleagues on the Hill who are very nice, decent, smart people, but they don't see this as a war as you see it. And maybe it is your football background that allows you to see uh, what we're up against here because I've long said, Coach, that we're in a war, but only one side has been fighting it over the last couple of decades, and that has been the radical left, uh, the Marxist revolutionaries that are now way out in the open. You know, they're not, they're not dressing it up anymore because they see victory in sight. And victory for them is the fundamental transformation of the nation away from what made us great. Fiscal responsibility, individual uh, liberty, limited government, strong national defense. They see that their victory, which you know they've been fighting for for decades, is within reach, and that's why now they don't even bother to pretend anymore. And by the way, politics is a really dirty business, as you have found out, but there are no refs. At least in football, you can turn to a ref and, and make your grievances known. In politics, there's no such thing, right? Well, we've got a set of rules, as I said earlier. You know, the, the Constitution, uh, the things that our country have gone by, the, the rules that we should go by. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, uh, nobody likes those rules. They want to change those rules in midstream. And those rules have, and I've always said this, we've all always had differences of opinion. Uh, people uh, uh, have the right to express their differences of opinion. But the problem is, uh, once they've expressed those opinions, they want the rules changed in midstream. It'd be like playing a football game. In the first half, you know, you go by the rules. In the second half, the team, one team says, well, listen, we don't want four downs. We want five downs to make a first down. Or, you know, we don't want the, the, uh, the referees to call holding on us. We just want to call it on the other team. They want total different rules to make it make it easier for them to change uh, and to win. And so you're exactly right. It's it, it's really scary uh, what I've seen for two years being in Washington D.C. You know, I'm just a I'm just kind of an outsider. I'm not a lawyer. Uh, I have had a job for a living. I've had to pay taxes. I've had to hire and fire people. And I've had to push people be be very uh, uh, understanding of people's different backgrounds. But I tell you. Uh, the way our country is going right now, it's their way or the highway. And if we continue down this path, we're not going to have a country that we all grew up in. It's going to be totally ran by the elite, of the corporations, by the people that that want it to have that power every day to control 
big government to control our moves. And we've seen it during COVID. And, and, and I told people around me, this is what you're going to get. You know, they're going to tell you what to do and you have no choice. And so uh, it's becoming a it's becoming a habit in our country of people losing their freedoms. Yes, because we're dealing with revolutionaries. This is not the Democratic Party right. of your father, your grandfather. These are real revolutionaries that have driven the country to a real tipping point. Um, and that's why we need all hands on deck. We're so happy that you're in the Senate. All right, Coach, let's talk about some of the big issues that you're working on in, in the Senate. Um, you know, as we mentioned, you've spent much of your life in sports as a player and as a coach. So I know you feel very strongly about this whole thing about allowing biological males to compete in girls and women's sports. Tell us your view. Well, first of all, the way they're going to change our country is through the Marxist manifesto of, of in, infiltrating our, our young people, uh, their ideology, uh, letting everybody know that, hey, this really is what need we need to do to, to be successful, change all that, uh, have uh, 60 genders instead of male and female. I mean, I'm getting sick of it, to be honest with you. And it, it's, unfortunately, people won't fight back. They're afraid to say something in our country. People don't believe in it because that we, we in our country, we, we, you know, we, 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 we're too nice. Uh, our side is too nice. Well, as you just said, uh, the, the the left has really crossed the line in the last just the last year or so about about uh, this our, our Title Nine. Now Title Nine started in 1972, it's 50 year anniversary this past year. Title Nine said, hey, you know, if we we're going to do something for men, we're going to make sure that young women and young girls have the same opportunity as boys in the education in terms of funding, scholarships, facilities, coaches. Uh, they're going to have the same uh, opportunities, and it's it's been the big, biggest success that anything that I've seen come out of Washington D.C. It allowed young girls to participate, to grow, to learn leadership, responsibility, all the things that go along with sports, and uh, it just got better and better and better. Well, of course, all of a sudden, uh, the, some of these far left feminist groups said, "No, that's not what we want. Uh, we want one gender. We want everybody to be the same." And so now they've gotten into the situation where they want these young biological boys to participate with, with girls, be able to dress in the same dressing rooms, have this, have the opportunity to do whatever they want. That's not what this country is about. And, uh, you know, I don't want a young girl or, or a young woman to play for third, fourth or fifth and practice all their life. Cause that's what's happening now. This Leah Thomas that decided she was going to swim or he or she whoever she was, is going to swim in, in, in uh, the national championship last year, won uh, because she was so much bigger, uh, so much stronger, and, and it's just unfair. So um, it's it's just unfortunate to me to watch this go on in our in our education field. And, and we, we, we have worked very hard in the last year to come up with some things like the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act, which we put on the floor uh, – to separate this, to keep these young uh, men or young boys, whoever it is, from participate in girls' sports, dressing with in the same dressing rooms. But, you know, the Democrats refuse to support this. Uh, it, it, it just amazes me how uh, – I know a lot of these – my colleagues on the left don't believe in this, but they follow the Pied Piper in the Democratic Party, and because they've got that agenda that they want to change this country. So even if they don't believe in it, they say, well, we're going to go along with this because this could be the difference in us getting what we want, uh, these Marxist liberal ideas. Yes, and you know, the, the left has always been about social engineering. They really believe that they can re-engineer humanity and force it into a different form that's more easily controllable. So everything that you're describing here about biological boys being allowed to compete in girls' and women's sports, this is just like the logical end to all of that. Um, Coach, can you tell us how Title IX applies here? Because, you know, I was telling your staff before you and I uh, joined in conversation conversation that I worked with President Nixon during the last years of his life, not when he was president, I was not born, um, but during the last years of his life. And President Nixon is the one who signed Title IX into law in June of 1972. And he and I talked about it, you know, in his last years, 
it, it, it meant so much to him. It was such a meaningful part of his legacy. Can you talk about how Title IX applies to the situation and how we can leverage it? Well, it, it's pretty simple. Title IX, uh, the provisions in Title IX uh, said that we treat gender as a recognized based solely on person's reproductive, biological, and genetics at birth. I mean, bottom line. It didn't say anything about if you want to transition from a boy to a girl or a girl to a boy. It had nothing in there. It talked about two genders. It talked about the opportunity to separate those and for them to have their own opportunity to compete against each other when it's fair, when it's not uh, something that uh, these young women have don't have the opportunity to compete, but it is forced on them. And so Title IX pretty much basically – uh, says we're not going. We're not going to have uh, uh, boys playing in girls' sports because it talked about reproductive rights in terms of uh, how they were born biologically, and give them the opportunity to separate at that point. Um. You know, we know that since uh, Title IX was enacted in the 1970s, female participation at the collegiate level has risen by more than 600%. So this entire gender agenda and trans agenda is actually erasing girls from competitive sports and making all of their achievements lesser And it's grossly, grossly unfair. I know you recognize this. I know you feel passionately about it. Talk to us about um, the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act, which I know that you have introduced in the Senate to try to uphold those Title IX protections. Yeah, well, again, what we wanted to do, and knowing that we're in the minority in the Senate in the last couple of years, we had zero chance of getting anything passed from, from the progressive left. Uh, right. we, anything to do with anything like that, they weren't going to go for it. But you have to put it out there. You have to put it out there where people get their eyes open going, what? Democratic Party is voting against young girls having the opportunity to compete against young girls their age, uh, their sex, uh, and not have to compete against uh, young boys that say that they're girls. And so... Uh, we got, we got, uh, we, we, we put it out there and not one Democrat, not one Democrat, uh, was supportive of young girls mm. in, in, in this act, not one. And that, that just goes to show you again, as I said, there, there's some of my colleagues on the left that don't believe this, but again, they're afraid to vote against some of the far left progressives, uh, in their party because they, they, they'll be afraid they'll get called out or, They'll lose uh, money, uh, uh, re-election money. I mean, they're all in on this just to be able to continue to take over and control everything that we do in Washington and D.C. on the Hill. But not just that, all over the country and and some of these state legislatures. So anything that we can do to get it out there to try to show people, listen, open your eyes. This is what what they want. This is what they believe in. This is how they want to change our country. And again... Title IX, I can remember when it was voted on, and all the feminist groups, they were all in on this. Right. Title IX, we've got to have it for these young girls. We've got to have it for women. Where are the feminist groups now? I mean, th- th- they've disappeared. Uh, now they're on the other side. Now they're on the other side where, hey, we don't want two genders. We want one, or we want 60. Uh, they, they want to go overboard on this. So it's we're doing everything we possibly can with this to try to get people to see this. I'm still shocked. Uh, I've been in shock for the last three months that American people, not one positive thing going on in our country, that we were real, we reelected these people in control again in the United States Senate. Uh, I don't think people really realize how bad it is, and it's getting worse. And there's a lot of different things, but this is just one thing right here that even if you don't believe in some of the other things that are going bad in our country, you if if you believe that young boys should be able to play in young girls' sports, and dress in the same dressing rooms, then something's wrong. 
something's yes. wrong. And usually it turns out to be the morals of our country. Yes. And I've always said that this is a spiritual battle. This is a battle between good versus evil, God versus the enemy, however you want to put it. But what they're allowing to do here in the erasure of young girls and women and allowing them to compete in sports and other things, it is fundamentally evil. So I give you enormous credit, uh, Coach, for standing up in the U.S. Senate and fighting back and pushing back on this. And I know you won't give up. We've got to hit a quick break, but we'll be right back with more with Senator Tommy Tuberville. And we're back with our final moments with Senator Tommy Tuberville. Let's turn to uh, the Department of Defense under Joe Biden, because it has announced that it's got a new rule to facilitate taxpayer-funded abortions for service members and their dependents. So now we are paying through the DOD for abortions, regardless of where you stand on life. Can you talk to us about this and what you're doing about it? Well, it's pretty simple. Uh, Since Roe Wade, and of course the liberals want to come out and say, you know, the Republicans are doing away with with, uh, abortion. Uh, You know, they're, they're pushing it to the max. And a lot of people are uneducated about what Roe Wade was. Basically, it was done away with it and said, listen, uh, we want you to be able to make a voice in whether you want abortion or not in your state. We're going to give you a vote. We're not going to do it by court. Supreme Court says we're going to send it back to the states and let you make that decision. And uh, rightly so. Uh, in some states, it said we're going to have abortion. That's fine. That That is the way the law states. So uh, by getting around that, uh, the Department of Defense uh, says, you know, uh, we want to have our own abortion policy. Now, they've had it for years. They've had a, a abortion policy for years, meaning that if you go in, uh, if you go into uh, the military and then you want to have an abortion, uh, there's three exceptions. The ones we always hear about, rape, incest, and harm to the health of the mom. And so uh, over the years, uh, the military has averaged around 20 abortions a year. Uh, and that seems feasible uh, if, if you look at that situation. Well, <clears throat> Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, and, and all his minions have decided they're going to change the, the rule. Well, like I, I I looked at this, and as a lot of my colleagues, they said, we, we want a hearing on this. We want to know what's going on with this, what's going to be in this. They wouldn't give us one for six months. Well, finally... In October, they gave my staff and me a hearing on, on what they were going to do. Basically, they said, we're going, we're going to be the law ourselves. We're going to allow any military person to have an abortion. We're going to pay for it with taxpayer money, and we're going to transport them to a state that allows abortion. But not only the military person, any, independent, uh, uh, any dependent in that family uh, to that military person. So uh, we did a study on that, and it says, okay, if we do this, and they, they, they change this law, basically, or the rule, uh, we're going to go from 20 a year to 4000 to 5000 a year, paid for by the taxpayer. And again, this has nothing to do with the Department of Defense going, going by law. They're going to change it themselves. So I basically sent a letter before Christmas to the Department of Defense and Lord Dawson and say, listen, last time. I look, you weren't elected. You're not in Congress. I've not seen you over voting. Uh, you do not have that right to change a law that the American people have to pay for or go by. So I said, if you change this without going through Congress, then I'm going to put a hold on every DOD nomination. You're not going to get one through mm-hmm. unless you go around me, which is very, very hard to do in the Senate. So uh, we sent it before Christmas. They didn't do anything. Well, last week they dropped it and said, we're going to do this. So the fight's on. And uh, I just do not believe that American people should have to pay for an abortion or that they're justifying this by saying, you know, it's hurting our recruiting. It's not hurting their recruiting. What's hurting their recruiting is their uh, bad policies that they've done in Afghanistan, the, the things that they've done uh, since the Biden administration has taken office with our military. And Young men and women are saying, I'm not getting in the military. Why would I do that with these, with the way these people are running our military? So they're using this in the disguise of, uh, it's hurting their, their recruiting. So, uh, that's, a, that's it in a nutshell of, of, uh, what they're trying to do. They're trying to pull one over on us and we're going to hold on as long as we can. I don't know how long we can hold on, but, uh, 
uh, we're going to force them to make a decision on some of their uh, nominees down the way. Well, good for you. And I know that you're on the Senate Armed Services Committee, so you're really in a position of uh, real leverage here with the DOD, putting a hold on all future DOD nominations uh, that's applicable here. That's the only lever that you have, and we so appreciate you using it, um, Coach. And I know that you're also on the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee, and it's happening at the VA too, correct? Exactly right. Uh, Secretary Madonna, uh, who uh, runs our VA, and we had him in a in a hearing that oh I guess before Christmas, and we understood that uh, instead of going by row weight and having it having it uh, voted on uh, state by state, they decided because uh, they are the big government of our country that they can do whatever they want. So the Veterans uh, Affairs has pretty much decided we're going to do any abortion that we want to do uh, in the VA. And so I asked him about that, and I said, well, who gave you the right to do this? And I said, well, we just feel like it's our obligation to make that opinion, which it's not. So they've started doing uh, abortions in the, in the veterans' hospitals across the country, even, even in our state uh, of Alabama, which it's unlawful. And so, again, these people will push it all the way to the end. They're going to make us fight. Uh, even They know they've got a lot of people on their side but they also know they got a lot of people against them in this situation of abortion. And right now we know how hot a topic it is. So in the department of defense and the veterans affairs, that's somewhere where they think they control it 100%. And they're fixing to find out hopefully that they don't, that they got to go by the rule of the law. Well, I also know uh, coach that you've recently introduced a resolution of disapproval of this in the Senate. I think it's going to be called up in a couple of weeks for a majority vote. How is that looking? Well, 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 we'll wait and see. I, I know that we're, we're going to have a lot of support for this. Uh, I've got a couple of Democrats that have signed on uh, onto my bill. Uh, it's basically it's, con- it's a Congressional Review Act, which pretty much brings up on the floor saying that, you know, uh, the federal government's changed something uh, without going through Congress. And uh, that's what they've done uh, on this on the VA bill. So I've got people that have co-signed with me. Uh, not just on the Republican side, but the Democratic side. I think we got a very good chance of stopping this. And uh, I think people, it's going to be a big topic uh, for a while. I know we've got our country's burning as we speak from crime, the border, the inflation, our education. Of course, our, our foreign affairs are just atrocious. Something like this should be on the front burner. People are probably not going to hear about it as much. But we still got to fight the things like this, no matter what else is going on in our country, because that's what they want. They want to take all these big things and have you forget the, the things that are behind the scenes where they can just change it on their own, where eventually it'll become intact in terms of that they think everybody thinks that this is what it should be. So uh, it's going to be a fight, and we'll see what happens when we get back uh, in about a week and on the floor, and we're going to bring it up and, and see if we can get a vote on it and, and get it voted out. Well, that is terrific. And thank you so much for taking on this fight, whether it's the DOD or Veterans Affairs. I mean, you are really out there swinging uh, on behalf of the unborn, and we're so grateful to you for that. Um, Final question for you, Coach, before we let you go. Just, you know, on both a personal and political level, it's got to be incredibly frustrating for you being in the minority in the Senate and the House now GOP controlled sending over fantastic bills like defunding the 87,000 new IRS agents that the Biden administration wants. They're sending over fantastic pieces of legislation and only to be met with a grisly death in the U.S. Senate because of Chuck Schumer and Democratic control. So from your point of view, how frustrating is it? I know you don't give up the fight ever, but there are so many times where you just must want to tear your hair out. It is. It, it, it was really hard for the first two years because they had the House and the Senate and the White House. Anything they wanted to do, they just ran it through us. And, you know, we owe it to Joe Biden and Krista Sinema by by blocking the the killing of the filibuster, uh, 60 votes in the Senate. I mean, that would have been devastating because we'd have had two new states in D.C. and Puerto Rico. We'd probably had 20 uh, on the Supreme Court instead of the amount that we have now. They would have changed everything, and uh, that would have changed our Constitution if they could. So we held on to that. problem is they really hurt us financially. They, feel like they really hurt the American people 
by spending about $5 trillion that we did not need to spend. Uh, that's the reason we're in this inflation mode right now. They care nothing about responsibility. They want to spend money. They want to keep as many people at home from working as they possibly can. They don't want this country to thrive uh, by, the, by the help and the work of the American people. They want people to think that the government can do, the, do it for them, which they can't. You know that. I know that. Big government is the worst thing that we can have in this country. So uh, it's frustrating to, for two years to see them spend all this money. But now the, we've got the House. They're not going to be able to spend the money that they, they did. Hopefully, the one thing that we get out of these oversight over these hearings that's coming out, all this oversight is to bring out the bad things that the, the Democrats did the last two years. Now, they're, they're fighting it hard, but I hope uh, Kevin McCartney and the Republicans will continue down this road of exposing, you know, the, the illegal things, uh, the dishonest things that uh, this government, this Democratic government did in the last couple of years. And we're, we're able to pull the wool over the American people's eyes, thinking that, hey, they're doing the right thing, which they were doing, doing just the totally opposite of what they should have been doing to help the American people get back on their feet after COVID. Yes, exactly. I mean, the the GOP majority in the House is at least forcing votes. So they're forcing Democrats to go on the record where where they stand on these issues. They're not embarrassed by it because they've got the protection of the press. So they don't even mind taking the votes. But you are exactly right. The, the point is to expose these things so that when we do regain control of the Senate and the White House, we're in real positions to move legislatively. And that is exactly what you're doing and we're so uh, thankful for you. We're so grateful for your service, both on the field, coach, and now in the U.S. Senate, <laughs> representing the great state of Alabama. Thank you so much, sir, and God bless you. God bless you. Thanks for thanks for letting me be on, and uh, let's keep praying for our country because we're in we're in dire straits right now. But I think the American people will eventually open their eyes, wake up, and understand that we're the we are the best country ever on the face of the earth. But we got to put God back in our lives, get our moral values straight, and get some of these leaders that believe in just themselves instead of our country, get them out of office. Amen. Amen. And you're leading the charge on all of this. We're so grateful to you. Thank you so much, Coach. Okay, guys, that's going to do it for me here on this Monday. Thank you so much for joining me and for checking out our fantastic sponsors. We're all really grateful for that. So later in the week, we're going to talk about CPAC because it's coming up and I'm speaking on the main stage. I can't wait for that. Plus, we've got a really big guest coming up later in the week as well with something that we should all be supporting. It's a really important conversation we're going to have. So don't miss a minute of the Monica Pally podcast. In the meantime, have a great start to your week and I will see you right back here on Wednesday. Wednesday.